Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Arseholics. Um, so it's not your usual host, Raj, today. Unfortunately for us, uh, he can't make it to to our chat tonight. He's currently a uh, he's currently on a flight to a mysterious far, far away location. So uh, he's going on a well deserved break. So instead, um, you've got uh, myself as your host, and I'm also joined by my fellow arseholic, Aaronin. Aaronin, how are you, mate? Good evening. Good evening. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, my first one since November, I think. I've had wow. a bit of a, a winter break winter break like yeah <laughs> like we all did <laughs> yeah. a, bit, a bit of an extended one <laughs> yeah i'm still in pre-season <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good to have you back good to have you back so um like first things first like if you're watching on on youtube you know we'd really really appreciate a thumbs up on the video you know it goes a, a really long way to just help grow the channel and you know if you haven't subscribed and you enjoy the content please do subscribe and if you're listening on a podcast platform then you know can rate us like us you know whatever you fancy really but yeah thank you in advance and we really appreciate it um Okay, cool. So look, it's been 48 hours, right? Um, 48 hours since probably one of the best games that I think I've ever seen at the Emirates. Definitely one of the best atmospheres, I think you'd agree, Aaron. And and 48 hours since Arsenal beat Man United 3-2 with a 90th minute winner from from Eddie Nketiah. We're now five points clear at the top of the Premier League. Um, 50 points from... 19 games played which is somewhat ridiculous um and i think like Aaron, we're, we're obviously going to get into the game we're going to talk about the players we're going to talk about the goals you know the match incidents all the rest of it but i thought it'd be a good place to start you know before we get into all of that i think it's a good place to start just by talking about talking about the occasion really so you know you and i were obviously very lucky in our you know we were lucky enough to go to the game we were lucky enough to be there um and i think for me i'm probably probably for you as well I'm sure you'd agree you know going into this game it felt it felt big it felt massive you know it felt like a bit of a throwback to Arsenal versus United games of old in some ways you know the fact that we're at the top of the table United were I think third or fourth coming into the game um, it felt like a, a real kind of clash of the titans and you know I don't know about yourself but when the game ended I mean we can talk about kind of atmosphere going into the game but I just wanted to talk about the, the the end of the game in some ways or the, the whole the whole experience of the of the match but you know when the game ended for me like I was an absolute wreck I was an absolute wreck like absolutely all over the place like I, don't, I mean I don't know if I can really do that another what 19 times this season because it can't be good for like any of our parts um at all but and you know I don't know this might sound a little bit ridiculous but I was re- like, I don't know why I can't really explain it, but I was really emotional at the final whistle. I was almost in tears. No, I wouldn't say I was almost in tears, but it, I was very emotional. You know, it's really it's really hard to explain why. But it, it wasn't like we'd obviously just won the league. It wasn't like it was a cup final, but it was just. It felt like it was one of those matches that it just put you through like so many different emotions. It put you through the ringer in some ways, and it obviously had so much to the game. And I think when the ref finally did blow the final whistle there was just this sense within the ground, within the stadium that it was a bit of a like momentous, like it was a bit of, it was momentous in terms of the moment. It felt quite special. It felt like a, just like a really, really, really big moment in our season. And also kind of as part of the journey that we've been on with Arteta for the last few years, you know, with this team um, and this project that, you know, we, we've been on with him. Um, I don't know, Aaron, like that, I just wanted to touch on that really and, and, and start off with that because like I say, it's, um, it was a bit of a, a bit of an experience on Sunday, wasn't it? I don't know how you. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I think you you nailed it. <laughs> I, I think everything, right? So you look at 
before the game where we we tried to go for a drink and like it just seemed like every pub was packed and it wasn't just us i heard from a few people on on social media even like going to the ground every single pub before the game was like packed two hours before um and then we decided to go for a drink in the ground pretty early on like an hour and a half before maybe and even then it was it was busy and you could you could sense that there was something something i don't want to say something special but it felt like an occasion it felt like the arsenal man united games of old where you you felt that these were you know the two arguably the two informed teams in the country just about to go at it yeah. and then you know we'll break down the game and and all that i'm sure in a bit but then yeah full time happened and you know it was you know the way it happened with the you know the winner and the var so you know we almost celebrated twice and then yeah. full time was the third big big celebration and you know we, we were leaving the ground and you know we were all hugging each other and hugging the guys that sat around us but you just saw like fans from all over the ground just i don't know like just really happy really emotional and you know you, you try and understand why like why why are these people emotional it wasn't it was more than just a, okay yeah we beat a team a big team at home in the last minute but it was so much more than the result and the the 90 minutes itself it was i think just this realization that you know i don't even think it was about the title i think regardless of what happens with the premier league this season whether we win it or not i think there's this realization that this team are like are special and they're going to be special for a while and the way we played that game the way we finished that game the way we tried to win it the the players that turned up the squad the manager everything about it i think we realized that look this team regardless of the premier league next season this season next season we're going to give this a good go as well um and the season after that hopefully we'll, we'll still give it a go and that you know i don't want to make the you know do the whole rio ferdinand to say that you know arsenal are back right but it, it it felt like it like this was a this was like a confirmation that we played one of the informed teams in the premier league um whether or not they're the real deal i'm still not sure about man united but they are very much the one of the informed teams i know they didn't have casemiro and yeah you could argue with him it would have been a bit of a different game but we you know we we bossed them and the result is the result says that it was three two and it was tight but we 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 played that like we are going to win this game and i think the fact that we got the win was almost like a conviction to the fan base that yeah this team is the real deal this team is serious and yeah. on top of that you know state of the premier league we can you know extend our lead back to what five points now and um it was just a, okay let's go on to the next one now and we'll, we'll just see where it goes it's it's just fun it's fun it's awesome there's there's so much so many good things to say about this team I think we're all just really, really enjoying it. Absolutely. Like, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Um, and yeah, I think that was the overriding feeling, right? Like post-match, after the game, like you say, it's it's not a case of, you know, we, we're saying Arsenal are back and we're going to win everything in sight. But at the same time, we're a serious team again, right? Um, 
and we we have a way of playing. We have a you know a, a proper manager. Well, I don't want to say a proper manager, but we have a manager that knows what he's doing, even though he's very inexperienced. And you know, I think when you reflect on how this season's gone so far, you can. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're talking about it kind of every time we meet and, and we chat or we do one of these podcasts, we're talking about all of the things that we're noticing that the team are doing, or Arteta's doing, and, and the things that have changed from, you know, when he first joined or from the Emery era or from the Wenger era. And, you know, now we're sort of seeing the fruits of that, of that plan, um, quite obviously being top of the league. Um, and yeah, I think like, like I said, you know, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to explain what the feeling was in the ground, but when you, like you say, when you looked around other people, you know, you looked at other people that you're sitting next to, or you could see other people in the stands, it was, there, there was genuine, like, yeah, like I said, there was just genuine emotion. It was, it was a combination of, I think, I think of relief of just happiness, you know, beating United. I know we've had a good record against United at home in the last few years, but even so, you know, this was a different United and it was a different Arsenal. And I think it meant even more because there was a lot riding on the game. And I think a lot of people were expecting maybe Arsenal to fall down on Sunday. You know, I think people have expected Arsenal to, Arsenal to fall down post-World Cup, given the fixtures that we had. And that obviously hasn't happened. You know, we've hit, yeah. we've got 13 from 15 points, I think it is. And, you know, only dropping points to Newcastle, you know, and they're no slouches, you know, yeah. they don't concede goals. So. Yeah, people were looking at that. So what was it? Brighton, New- Newcastle, Brighton... Spurs, Man United, or something. Not and sure West that was right. West Ham, yeah. Just after, yeah. And you're right. People were saying, "Let's see how Arsenal are doing after this run." Oh, you know, we're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, it's as simple are. as that. Yeah. So, I mean, look, happy days. Let's let's have a let's have a chat about the game itself. I mean, a lot happened in that game. It was a bit of a classic, wasn't it? Um, and it was quite interesting. I don't know about you. I mean watching i'm assuming you've watched a lot of the post-match stuff and 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 try to absorb as much as possible like i, I, I think <laughs> i think i've watched it i've watched the game with like four different commentators i even watched it in spanish the other day <laughs> <laughs> just because I, I was like i was seeing all the different versions and i was like you know i'm just gonna watch this game in spanish as well because, um <laughs> to see what happens so yeah i have definitely watched it a few yeah. times <laughs> so i mean look we didn't actually have we had a great start to the game um you know we came out of the blocks fast like we've been doing i feel like ma- the majority of games this season right we've been we've been coming at teams where we just seem to get the tempo of the game like really really high right from kickoff and you know i think there was a couple of kind of half chances in the first few minutes but look th- we went one nil down um not not too soon you know i think it was sort of the 15th or 17th minute something like that we went one nil down like I mean, it's an unbelievable goal from Rashford. Like, I didn't realise how good it was at the time. And it was only, again, once I came home and watched it all back over the last couple of days. Um, you know, kind of poor from Arsenal, um, especially Party. Like, it felt like it was, like, that reminded me of Thomas Party from a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago, or, you know, when he first joined, when he was, he was fantastic, but he wasn't consistent all through the game and he tended tend, tended to give the ball tended 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 to give the ball away um a few times in a game with kind of like sloppy passes and I'm not sure it was necessarily a sloppy pass but the ball comes to him and he tries to make a first time pass with a lot of power behind it and it just gets intercepted straight away but then like to be fair what Rashford does after that you know he just <laughs> I mean like, he completely destroys party with the nutmeg um which i and i didn't see it at the time like i say and the shot he hits like my first reaction i think i probably said it to you guys was i think ramsdale should do better like that was my first reaction because i it felt like 
it felt like one of those shots that he could get down a bit faster. But again, when you see the replay, he hits it with such pace, such accuracy. And that technique. Um, that technique. Just, yeah, yeah. It's very hard for a, a keeper to save, right? I thought the same. I thought um, Ramsdale looked like from where we sit behind that goal, it looked like Ramsdale was a bit slow to get down to it. But you you look at the way you hit it and, you know, that technique, it was it was a really, really good goal. Um, you just, the, I think you can analyze it. Yeah, we shouldn't have, we gave it away in midfield and there was a, there's still a lot of, you know, he had still had a lot to do from that point, but he did everything right. And, you know, sometimes you just got to say like, look, it was a really good goal. There's not much you can do about it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and the interesting thing that, you know, this has been a theme for Arsenal, or sorry, this has been a theme at home games for sure. Um, I mean, we haven't gone one nil down that often. I think it's been like, I think I saw a stat, it's been like four times a season, obviously twice to United, yeah. um, I think. Um, but anyway, every time we have either conceded a goal uh, or we've we, we've, we, we've um, conceded the lead, um, you know, the reaction from the fans, like, it's... You, I don't know if you could hear it on TV. I think you kind of could hear it on TV, but obviously we can hear it really clearly being in the ground. Like the way that this uh, this set of Arsenal fans, if you will, the current Arsenal fans, you know, the way that they really, really back the team. And you can see Erdegaard on the pitch as well. You know, he's yeah. trying to kind of get the crowd going as well. But to be fair, like as soon as they scored, you're like, like shit, like, you know, God, like that's not a good start, whatever. Plenty of time left in the game, but your initial reaction is you know, it's United, they're, they're, they are a good team, as you just said, um, you know, and you're kind of not sure what's going to happen for the rest of the game and it, you, you don't want to concede the first goal in a game like this normally. But within, I don't know, five seconds, 10 seconds, you've pretty much start hearing the roar from the crowd, you know, getting behind the team. And that's this is still while the United fans in the corner are still going crazy. Like the game, like it's not like the game's kicked off and then the crowd have started to to, 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 to back the team. It's literally within seconds. And that's happened a few times this season. Um, and it must help like give the team belief. I don't know. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I, I think it's what, it goes back to like why we're feeling so like, you know, why we're so happy with this team and the, why the match experience is so good this year is it genuinely feels like there is a, like a two way process between the team and the fans in the ground this season in that we, we respond and we make, you know, we give it a, you know, the team team play well and then we do well and we make a lot of noise in the ground but also when the team needs a, a boost or it needs you know picking up there's this resilience this defiance to say like you know come on come on boys you can do this and it genuinely feels like the players and the team respond to that and we've seen this a lot right like we today was i mean sunday was a, a good example where we went and you know picked up and we carried on where we left off and we got a goal back within like 10 minutes or something like that um but i remember i think it was a leicester game where we came back twice from behind really really quickly because this team were just responding and i don't know how like how often you say we haven't gone um, we haven't gone one nil down or we haven't gone behind in games that often, but even when we've gone behind, at least at home this season, we haven't been behind for very long. Like I think the time that we almost always get an equalizer back very, very quickly. Um, so 
And I think a lot of that, you have to just give credit to the fans in the ground to just keeping the atmosphere positive. And it just seems like this young team respond to that. And actually, because the team are not behind for that long, because we've gotten back in games quite quickly, it doesn't allow like nerves to set in and it allows like the game, it doesn't, you know, we're not often like playing catch up and having to chase a game because I think if you had, if Man United had gone in one nil at half time, I think that second half is very different. I think Man United sit back. I think they get deep. They let it sit deep and they said that like, we're just going to see this out because we know we can see this out. And I think that, you know, we lose motivation, but because the fact that we got that goal so quickly, again, it almost set the tone to say, we know we can be- you know, beat this defence. We know that we can get past these, this team. And we're going to just do it again if we have to do it again. And we're going to continue to just try and gain that advantage through possession to keep going and playing the football that we need to play. Yeah. Yeah, it's just complete belief in the system, isn't there? It's complete belief in the way that um, Arteta wants us to play. And um, yeah, and it's and it's paid off. You know, it's paid off. Um, pretty well all season. I mean, look, Raj has kind of backed up what we were saying. Even Raj is commenting from the air um, on it, on his plane Wi-Fi. You know, um, Saka even said it after the game. The fans don't realise how much it lifts them when we rev them up after they concede. And, and yeah, you know, that just kind of backs up the point really. And, and like I said, we really you can really experience it in the crowd, in the crowd or in the ground um, when you're there. So, look, I mean, yeah, like you say, we weren't behind for very long at all. I think we it didn't take us less than ten minutes. I think to come back. Um, and you know, this, so the Inketia equalizer, um, I love, I absolutely love this goal. Like I watched it back, um, and I didn't realize kind of the buildup that was involved in it. Um, you know, Zinchenko gets involved, Erdegaard's involved and, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a really, really good cross from Granit Xhaka in that area that he's been finding himself in kind of all season, you know, that left, left attacking kind of path I don't know what you call it area of the pitch yeah. and Eddie you know I mean Eddie I mean it's bad defending from United perspective Wambasaka just does not track Enketia you know he looks at him he knows he's there but he just he just lets him go but this is what I love about Eddie Eddie Enketia like he's always in the box and now that he's getting a run of games you can really see you know you, we I think we knew what his strengths were but to do it in some of the games that he's now doing it in you know United at home as a prime example we had a good game against Tottenham as well last week you know he he just he has that ability as good strikers do to just sniff out chances like he's always in the right place at the right time it feels like he's always in the right place at the right time and um you know I know we're going to we're going to talk about Eddie afterwards because obviously he scored the winner but you know what were your thoughts on the on the equalizer yeah it was it was it was like a when he did that and when he put that header away, I know it was bad defending. I know you could argue it was a free a yeah, free header and he probably should have put it away, but he put it away with authority and he, he put it away like he is a striker that I mean he is in form. He's a striker that's in form, he's a striker that's confident, he's a striker that seems to be, you know, just to say like this is mine, I'm just gonna deal with this, I'm gonna get us back in the game and I'm gonna you know, just put this away. And it was confident. It was done with ease and it, it made it look so easy, but he still had, a, you know, he got up quite high for that header, I think. And he, he, you know, he put that header in a place where De Gea couldn't save it. And yeah, it was really good play by Zinchenko and Jacka put in a really good cross. And, you know, all of that work in that left, like half space was, was really good. Um, but again, I'm just so pleased because it meant that for Eddie, who's, you know, had a bit of a, 
up and down start to the season in terms of like getting minutes. It, I don't, I don't think Jesus scores that goal. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think Jesus is ever in, even in that position. To be fair, like both the goals actually, um, because they're two very different players, and I think realistically Jesus would probably have been outside on the left, probably helping with the build-up play, and actually. He, in, at that moment, you know, we've changed the team a bit to accommodate this, but we we have someone in the box now to put away those chances. And sometimes you just, you know, you just need to hope that a defender makes a mistake, a defender switches off, and you have the striker in the right place at the right time to take advantage of any mistake like that. Yeah, completely. Like, he's absolutely on fire at the moment, isn't he? Um, doing the business for us. So apologies to anyone listening on podcast or audio audio only we are getting a, a lot of comments actually and a lot of interaction which is really good it's from great, a yeah. few people and so shani just mentioning you know saka celebration with a couple of emojis there but basically you know mimicking the rashford celebration which again i didn't see at the time had no idea no, only saw it either. afterwards um and that was quite funny actually yeah i mean they're obviously mates from england um so yeah could be quite an interesting one the next england camp when they talk about that but um and yeah and rajas has commented saying such a good celebration completely agree it was um it was good to see um yeah okay cool i mean so we're going at half time one one the other thing that i mean a lot happened again as i said in the game you know the other thing that happened obviously at half time was a, a, a change, a substitution, which Arteta, I can't remember the last time he did this, but obviously look, Ben White at right back came off for Tommy Asu. He was on a yellow card. It was a, a pretty bad tackle on Rashford. Um, and this was really interesting actually, because I know like, I mean, the fact that he was booked must have had a, 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 a you know, must've played a, a, a part, sorry, in Arteta's decision probably looking at the second half, coming up against a, an informed Rashford, a player that, you know, is that kind of play where he will make you commit the tackles and possibly give away a, another foul and, and, a, and get a second yellow. But, you know, Aaron, do you reckon, you know, do you reckon if White wasn't booked, if he hadn't have been booked in the first half, do you still think he would have got taken off at halftime? Do you think it was purely just down to the yellow or do you think it was I, more tactical? I, think, I don't think he was playing well. Um I I said this that I thought I don't might have said to you or might have said to Raj at half time said I thought Ben White's been really poor I thought Partey had been pretty poor in that half I said look I wouldn't be surprised if like after sixty minutes Ben White comes off because he's struggling um I I was very surprised that he took him off at half time um but I think I think it look I think it's actually it worked out really well and I think you just have to this is one of those times where our squad depth has really, really paid off because we were able to take off probably, in my opinion, the best right back in the Premier League this season, one of the best right backs in the Premier League this season, and bring on our best right back from last season. Um, yeah. And uh, and I thought Tommy did, you know, he, he had a, a few iffy moments, but in general, I thought he handled it really well and he was involved with some of the build-up play for the attack and... I just thought Ben White struggled a bit. I don't know why he struggled. I'm surprised because he's usually, I remember against Palace away, he handled Zaha really, really well. Um, but he just, uh, hopefully it's just one of those games where he yeah. just didn't, it didn't work. And he was on he's the been... yellow and that just held him back a bit more. And yeah. I just think Arteta thought, look, I've got a really good right back on the bench that isn't on a yellow. Why do I need to take this risk? Because going down to 10 would have been a very, very different game. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those games. It, in hindsight, it worked out and it was a pretty smart, smart decision. He could have left him on considering how consistent Ben White's been. But um, yeah, look, fair play to Arteta. You know, it's a pretty, pretty big change to make, even if he was on a yellow. But yeah, so we come out of the second half, Tommy Asso at right back. Um, and obviously, look, we take the lead pretty soon into the first, into the second half, sorry. Um, you know, this goal, <laughs> I absolutely love this goal. Like, we have been raving about Saka, like the, as in the three of us, the four of us have been raving about Saka pretty much since we started doing this podcast. I think that's probably around the kind of time he came onto the scene or just after he came onto the scene and really started establishing himself in in the first team. Um, but like, you know, everyone's seen the goal. I don't need to talk about what he does, but like what a goal, what an yeah. unbelievable hit from, you know, however far out it was pretty far out and he had Luke Shaw on toast the whole game he had Ericsson on toast the whole game and you can clearly see now when whenever Saka picks up the ball whoever he's playing against you know whether it's you know Luke Shaw was coming into this game I know he's been playing left center back a fair bit for United but he's been come he's coming to this game in pretty good form you know a lot of people are talking about Luke Shaw as you know yeah basically one of the best left backs in the country at the moment um and I don't think Saka gives like, I don't think he gives a shit to be honest. Like he come, he, he just basically, you know, I mean, he, he faces any left back and you don't know if he's going to come inside, if he's going to go uh, down the outside, you don't know if it's going to be, you know, he's going to basically make a pass on the overlap. He's going to play into Erdegaard and one, two, you don't know if he's going to shoot from distance. Like he's such, he's got so many kind of facets to his game. And like, for me, the question with Saka is, you know, we keep saying, well, a lot of people saying, like Saka's a great player. He's a great, you know, he, he's a fantastic player. But do you think it's now time, not just based on the goal he scored a couple of days ago, but, you know, what he's been doing so far this season, what he did for England at the World Cup and at the Euros, to be fair, do you think it's, he's now, we should now be talking about him in that world-class kind of bracket? I think he's he's getting there. I know um, there was an article, I think it was Jonathan Liu in the Guardian who wrote a really good article saying, um, yeah, basically how Saka basically eventually broke Luke Shaw by like just going at him again and again. And he made the comparison between him and Salah in the sense that Saka is now at that stage where defenders have to plan for him and defenders don't really know what to do because they can't get tight and... Therefore, they and that's what Luke Shaw because he did, he didn't want to get too tight. I mean, Ericsson, sorry, they didn't get too tight, but then they stood off him, and then he just goes and says, "Like, well, we'll screw you guys. I'm just going to go whack this in the, when, the corner." Yeah. I was going to say um, Newcastle did a good job, right? Like they doubled yeah. up on him with Joe Linton. Um, I think Willock, maybe I can't remember who it was, but you know they did a good job, and obviously we didn't score in that game. But yeah, I think that was a bit of a more of a one-off than anything else. Yeah, and I think yeah, he's at that level now where he obviously hasn't achieved as much just yet, but I mean, the kid's only what, 21. I'm not sure how old he is. 22. Yeah. 20, I think he's still 21. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And yeah, he's at that stage now where defenders and op- opposition managers have to plan for how to deal with him. And even when you plan on how you deal with him, they don't stop him. And that is a sign of like a world-class play. And what I loved about this goal was it was that kind of goal where it was a it was like a big player goal, which is like yeah. the big players. This isn't him scoring a, a worldie when we're four 0 up and yeah. being like, I'm just gonna have a go to try and just like because we're four 0 up and I can do this. this is a a really tight game at one one at this point. Like 
a big game in the context of our season. And he is like, this is what I'm going to do to try and win us this game. And, you know, it's that whole, like, what's it, taking the game by the scruff of the neck type thing, which is like what big players do when they want to try and win you a game. Um, Yeah, we've scored loads of goals this season where the team, like, gels together and we craft a move and then we put it on a plate for someone. And, you know, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli will come up with a good finish or a good pass. But this is just Saka and Saka alone. (laughs) And he's just been like i'm just gonna win this and i'm gonna just just smash it in and and no one could stop him and he always did it again yeah did he hit the post or he might have just hit the, hit outside, the, of the outside of the post i think it was yeah, yeah. i think it got um, deflection because we got a corner of it but yeah and we just love it right because this is a player that we've seen come through our academy um and just grow and we've thought like okay this kid is good but i don't think we still know how good he's gonna be like this is the question right like is he actually like are we talking like ballon d'or levels now or like he's got a little bit of a way to go but we're starting to think like could he be (laughs) at that level um and even if he's not at that level and he's just below that level that's that's still more than enough agreed i mean people are talking about him as potentially player of the year or young player of the year as well already. So, yeah. you know, let's see what happens for us the rest of the season. But yeah. I, still, I, I think you're right. I think you said this, you've probably said this for a while, but I don't think you've said this, Miser. I don't think the rest of the league really appreciates it. No, I was um, thinking, yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. They don't. I don't think people do. Even when I speak to like mates um, uh, who support other clubs, I don't think, I think they appreciate he's good, but this is what I'm saying. I don't think they appreciate just how good, um, but maybe he's got to do it for, I don't know, another couple of seasons or so. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's a case of, you know, you've got to win win something. Or you know. Yeah, I think it's that. And it's like this this big game thing, right? If he does more of that, like what he did, again, in these big Premier League games, doing things like winning the game on his own. I know he didn't score the winner, but trying yeah. to win the game by himself. That is the type of thing that big, you know, they're the types of goals that go around the world that everyone in every single country sees. Um, yeah, the types of goals that Messi or Ronaldo used to score week in, week out. But um, that's the type of goal that brings you into the conversation of like world class. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, look, I mean, United came back into the game pretty quickly. I don't think we had the lead for very long. I think it was something like five or six minutes. Um, Apparently, it was the almost the exact same time that we were behind. Oh, really? After the first goal, they scored yeah. after the second. Right, right. Um, look, I don't want to talk about this goal too much unless there's anything specific you want to say on it, Aaron. Because, I mean, for me, you know, it's a bit of a weird goal. Like, we don't normally concede goals like that. I think Ramsdale, he doesn't cover himself in glory. Like, I, I feel like he's come into a, an area where it's, it's quite difficult for him to essentially reach the ball. Like, there's a lot of players in, in, in that area and he just doesn't get enough purchase on it. And, yeah, it, it's one of those where it, it's just unfortunately got, you know, Martinez has got a decent header on it and we couldn't keep it out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to kind of talk about what happens after that, the last 10 or 10, 15 minutes or so, because that was that was some kind of, I mean, not just the winner, but the end to the game generally. I mean, how tense and how nervy and how, like I said at the start, just emotional that last 10 or so minutes was. It was, it was, it was something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... It was the way we, the way, I think the way we went at it was something as well, because I think that's what made it quite emotional was, you know, we, this young team 
were like playing again one of the form teams in the Premier League at home, admittedly, and they were like, a draw is not good enough. We must win this game. Um, and we are going to do everything we can to win this game. And one of my early criticisms of um, Arteta and the teams that the way we used to play was that we couldn't do that <laughs> um, when he first started. We just, we just didn't know how to play possession football with intensity and create chances. And there'd be so many games in the early you know, seasons of Arteta where we would be behind or we'd be trying to win a game, but we just didn't know what to do. We couldn't get the ball forward. We couldn't keep the ball. We couldn't create chances. None of that was happening. But now, like you said, the system, everyone's so confident in the system. They know that we need to, like, how to play, how to create pressure, how to create chances and how to get, you know, get winners. And it was, it was relentless pressure. And um, I spoke to a few United fans like sensible ones. And they all said to me actually that for the last, um, the rare breed, but I did find some. Um, and they all said to me like the last 20, 25 minutes, like it was ridiculous because they couldn't get out of their half. Yeah. And they said there was a bit of naivety from Man United in the wet sense that they, you know, the way they, they just couldn't keep possession. And they said United should have done better to keep possession in the last 15, 20 minutes. But I think a lot of that was just us, our pressing and, just how relentless and we just kept pushing them back deeper and deeper and deeper uh to a point where they were if that was if that was us and we were defending i would have been crying from like the fear um because it was it must have been scary to watch um it was very man city wasn't it man city of like a couple of years ago yeah or even like i think the the old arsenal arsene wenger teams like they used to do this quite a bit when we were chasing but that was against smaller teams where we were like one all against a, a bottom half team and we knew we had to win that game but we we treated man united like that in the sense that this is a team that we should be beating and we are going to just go out and win like no one was like okay a draw is good enough a draw probably would have been good enough like if we had drawn that game re- forget about the context but if someone had offered you a point at home to man united you would have been annoyed but you wouldn't have been like that's a disaster yeah right? but yeah. the the way we played, we we played like if we had drawn this game, it would have been a disaster, and the yeah. team were not accepting that. I think, and, yeah, yeah, go on, sorry, mate, sorry. No, that that, that was it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to add to that as well. No, no, you you, you summarised it nicely, and and yeah, like I think the other thing was like I don't know if we forced this because of everything you just said and the way that we approached that last period of the game, but obviously United seem to be very, very happy to take a point. And that's somewhat surprising. I mean, it's not because, like you say, we were so dominant, but at the same time, you consider, I guess, their ambitions for the season and 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 the, everyone was giving them kind of title, potential title talk before the game or definitely before the Palace game after they beat City. Um, but, you know, they were time-wasting. De Gea was wasting time. They brought on Fred for Anthony when they had a couple of options, you know, potentially they could have gone Garnacho, potentially Alango if they really want to try and win the game. So it's pretty obvious what United were were happy with, you know, they were happy with a with a point. Um so I think I think that kind of helped in some ways. But I think also like you say, like I think Arsenal kind of forced United into a bit of a corner really. Um and they we didn't really like you say relentless is is the best word to describe it. Um let's talk about the, the goal then because Eddie Eddie had a chance um, at 2-2. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he had a, he had a bit of a snapshot that came to him in the box, again, in the right place. Um, I, I mean, it was down our end, and I, I, I remember turning to you and Raj and saying, like, 
like one of those where you feel like he should score, but then at the same time, what else could he really do? Like it, he's, he's reacted for first. He's got away a really powerful shot low down. It's not in the corner, but it's a pretty good save from, from De Gea. But then, you know, he obviously takes his chance when it comes that the winner, um, you know, this, <clears throat> this goal, I mean, like I'll talk through it from, from what I remember, but like obviously Trossard was on at this point and, and he seemed to be pretty key in the goal because he picks the ball up, I think 30 or 40 yards from goal and he sort of drives towards the box. You know, we're, we're pushing for the winner. It comes out, to, it comes to Zinchenko wide on the left. He pulls it back. Erdegaard sort of tries to take a shot or takes a shot and it, you know, it's some sort of deflection and it kind of loops up. And again, it's, it's really interesting because we see this, we see all of this live right in front of us, you know, we're row seven. And when I first saw it, I mean, the offside is one thing I was just going to talk about, like I kept saying to you guys, uh, because because it went to VAR and Eddie obviously had to, he touched it, you know, he, he flicks it. And I kept saying to you guys, if Eddie had left it, if Eddie had left it, it's going in anyway, it's going in anyway. But then when you watch the replays, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, when you watch the replays, potentially it was going in, but it does feel like there was nowhere near enough power on that initial shot for it to have made it to the goal. Like it's one of those where you mm. feel like it's going to loop up and probably just... I thought it was spinning slightly away. But... Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, so obviously, you know, like, um, well, yeah, go on. What were your, cause like, I mean, yeah, I, um, yeah. So I think, um, I think Trossard definitely helps. And I think that's, uh, it's impossible to tell like what would Martinelli have done in that situation. But I think when you're chasing a game and we've seen this, I think against Newcastle, we saw this where actually just having, another really really good player who can come on and keep that intensity going and he does like he i think he tried it once or twice where he just brought the ball out from deep and he just started running with it and straight back at that at those defenders um and he didn't really give the man united defenders any chance to just like relax because you know they yeah they're finally you know really happy that martinelli has gone off like who's probably been running at them for 85 minutes and then um trossard comes on and just starts doing the exact same thing again and then um you yeah he's really involved and then yeah there's a yeah a bit of nice play and then Odegaard puts it across and then actually like even then when the ball comes out to Eddie he still has quite a bit of work to direct it on goal and like put it in the right place because he's still got to beat De Gea who's really good at you know shot stopping yeah he he did well to save the initial shot in the chance a little while before that we talked about um and I, yeah, then obviously the ground went mental. I couldn't believe it for the first like five seconds. I was just like, this can't be real. Um, then, then I was convinced it was offside, but we still like celebrated like crazy. And then, yeah, obviously when it went to VAR, I was like, I was convinced they'd rule it out. Everyone was, yeah. wasn't weren't they? Cause yeah. I, I mean, I was celebrating pretty hard to be honest. Cause it didn't like, I guess, you know, 90th minute, you're, you know, naturally you just celebrate, but then I looked around the guys, as you say, the guys that sit next to us, I, I kind of wondered, was like, no, you know, it's going to be offside. It's going to be, everyone's, like you say, convinced themselves it's going to be offside. And then you're like, ah, bollocks. Like, you know, yeah, it probably is. And then the VR, VAR check didn't take that long, but yeah, I mean, there were, and yeah. there were two potential offsides. I was actually, I was like, in my head, I was getting annoyed that the VAR was taking so long because I was like, well, if you rule this out, we're going to run out of time to get a winner. Yeah. So I was like, just hurry up and rule this out so we can get on with the game and go back and try and score again. Um, and then obviously they gave it. And then, my God, what the reaction in that ground. Wow. 
um, was incredible. And you could hear it on TV as well because you could hear that roar from the crowd. Yeah. But I that was when like a lot of fans were like, just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, we've gone and won it. Um, and no, like fair play to Eddie because again, probably another goal that Jesus doesn't score, if I'm being honest. Or maybe he does. I don't know. I'm being harsh. But um Again, a really good finish. Like, it's just that type of, that's the type of finish that Eddie is good at, right? You're like in the six yard box, 50 centimeters away from goal. That is Eddie's niche where he is better than anyone else in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, man, stadium absolutely erupted and it was just wild scenes, wasn't it? It was absolutely, it was just mental, like pandemonium, bedlam, whatever word you want to use to describe it. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Like I said, right at the start, probably one of the best best games and best just experiences at the Emirates that I've had for sure. And I'm, and I'm probably talking on behalf of a lot of Arsenal fans. Um, yeah. So look, we, we won the game um, before we kind of get into the ramifications of winning the game and what that means for us this season, potentially, I just, there were a couple of players that um, I wanted to focus on. I mean, we, we've talked to one of those is Eddie and Ketia. Now we've talked a lot about Eddie because he obviously scored a couple of goals, but we had a question in our last episode, um, which Raj and I didn't get round to answering, unfortunately, from, um, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. It's uh, Tommy, I think it's Tommy Hoara. I'm not sure if that's correct. Apologies if that's wrong. But the question he asked was, I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it was along the lines of, obviously this was pre-United, so pre-Eddie's two goals that he's just scored. Um, Do we think Eddie's going to outscore Jesus this season? Um, Any thoughts on that, Aaron? Uh, I think a lot of it will depend on minutes played. I think if you give them the same amount of minutes this season, then yeah. Um, my worry, I don't, I'm not sure I'm worried about this, but if he comes back, we play slightly differently. Um, mm-hmm. And what Jesus does is gives us, like gets more out of Martinelli, I think. on that Because what usually happens, Jesus goes out wide to the left usually is involved in all that left-hand side build-up. And that usually means Martinelli gets into more dangerous goal-scoring positions or even Xhaka gets into more goal-scoring positions and maybe Zinchenko might be more involved in that kind of stuff. But with Eddie, because he he does a lot of the build-up, but he's not Jesus in terms of like build-up play, um, I get the sense that we like players like Martinelli maybe sacrifice themselves a little bit in terms of goal-scoring, and a more different, like, I think that left-hand side is much, Martinelli has to do a lot more of the build-up work. Zinchenko has to do a lot more of the build-up work. And Jacka has to play maybe a little bit deeper because just to compensate because nobody else can do what Jesus does. But the counter side to that is that Eddie can do more Eddie things, which is score goals and be in the right place at the right time because he's not having to do a lot of that build-up play. Um and I'm not, but the thing that's impressed me is actually Eddie's ability to do a lot of that build-up play, which I didn't think he could do. Um, and I didn't yeah. think that was in his game, but he has done that probably a lot better than most people thought. But the yeah, like the good side of it is that he he's a he's a goal scorer, right? And Jesus is good at a lot of things, but you'd probably say that he's not a like a, I don't say elite finisher, but he's not a, a he's not a typical he, striker. His game is about more than goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um, but Eddie's game is largely just like put me on the pitch, give me a run of games, and I will score goals. 
and like you look at all of Eddie's numbers this season, like his XG, his like conversion statistics, his finishing, his number of shots, touches in the box, yeah. all of those are like actually better than Jesus's at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, fair play to him because I don't think he had it in him. I've doubted him. I've, I've, I was convinced that he wasn't like wasn't able to do it as consistently. Um, but he's proving a lot of people wrong. Yeah, completely. Um, and so kind of follow on question then, I mean, it might be a bit early to be thinking about this, but you know, there's talk that Jesus might be back in about five weeks. I think he was talking to uh, a UFC fighter or a boxer at the game. I can't remember who it was. Um, and he, they, you know, cameras picked up and reliable source. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, look, there's, there, there, I think even the athletic was saying it might be about five weeks, but yeah, I mean, on the assumption that Jesus does play a fairly significant part in our run-in or the rest of the season, you know, if he's back, let's say March, there's probably still a lot of games to play. There will, there obviously is a lot of games still to play based on kind of current form and what Eddie is doing for the team. And the fact that he's obviously scoring goals, which like you say, is what he's in the team to do. Do you think Hayes has come straight back in or do you think Arteta sticks with Enketia? Oh, um, I think it depends on how the next couple of games go. Um, I think what I want to see from Eddie is consistency. I, I mean, he's like just over a little while longer, but I think look, if it... Yeah, honestly, if he's playing well and he's continuing to score goals, there's no reason to drop him. Um, and it's very hard to drop someone when they're scoring. Like you know, yeah. If you're and scoring goals, playing well, like, it's working. If the team are winning, yeah, then what? Like, just play Jesus in the Europa League. Like, it's not, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. And it means we've got two good strikers. My my big worry is what happens if Eddie gets injured in the next game. Or next two games, yeah. And you know, I know we've got Trossard now to add goals, but in terms of just how we play, like there's no one else that I think can step in, and we might struggle there. Which is, yeah. But until we get both those players back, I, I'm still very, very worried because we are very dependent on Eddie and Ketty until then. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, we know we got might talk, we might touch on the transfer window in a bit. Um, the other part, but yeah, just before we kind of wrap up on on the game, the other player I wanted to talk about briefly because we kind of haven't really got that long. There's a few other things to talk about. Um, was um, Alexander Zinchenko? Um, obviously, he's been he's been getting some like serious credit, um, some rave reviews for his performance the other day, and I think just generally in the last few games, he's been in really good form. But mate, what like what a signing he's been? You know, he's been. He's obviously quite clearly become one of the leaders of the team. You can see it, um, you know, in the kind of the, the pre-match huddles, that kind of thing. And you see his passion on the pitch. You see the winning mentality that he's he's brought to to the club. And, you know, you saw his reaction to the winner, for example. You know, his reaction to the winner was, you know, with the fans, just, you know, pure emotion. And on top of that, you know, technically, he's been, he's been so, so good. You know, he's mm. operating... He's doing exactly what Arteta wants from his left back. Basically, he's operating in this, you know, hybrid left back central midfield position. But when he comes into midfield, or basically whenever he's on the ball, you know, he, he transitions between both kind of positions seamlessly. But 
you know, he's, he's such a, he's so good technically, such a clever player. And I, I don't know if you saw this, like not that it's anything of too much note, but Carl Walker did an interview while he was, while Zinchenko was at City and I think he got asked to name his top three. I think it was like top three technical players. And you think about how many technical, technically gifted players City have got. And he names, I can't remember the other, I think it was Mares and Zinchenko was one of them. And then there was another player. I can't remember, can't remember who it was, but you know, we're seeing that now, obviously, because we're watching him every week, but yeah, I mean, look, anything to add just in terms of... Yeah, I love... I think, <laughs> the thing I like about Zinchenko is I don't really understand his role. <laughs> in the sense, I understand what he's doing. But there were times in that game where he picked up the ball on the right-hand touchline. <laughs> yeah, his heat <laughs> map's just pretty like, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm just like, what are you... Like, why Why is he there? Like, what is the... How How is that... Like, how is this team functioning when he can just go to the right-hand side and just do something there. And then the next minute he's defending against, uh, well, I guess Anthony um, on the, on the, on our left-hand side. And um, I've watched him, like I've watched highlights and I'm just like, how do you like allow a player to do this? And how does that like make sense? Um, And that for me is the, like, it must be so hard if you're an opposition manager to plan for Zinchenko because like, who do you say to deal with this and who deals with like everything that he needs to do? And that's, yeah, that's why. And like on the ball, he's brilliant. But then you look at the mentality as well. Like he's talked about like raising our mentality. He's always talked about us going for the title. You see him on the pitch, you see him in the dressing room. Um, he, he's brilliant. I think uh, I've seen a few City fans. I don't know any because um, I, don't, I, don't I don't think anyone knows any City fans in real life, but a few City fans on social media and stuff saying that um, he was probably their biggest loss and they they made a massive mistake letting him go there. Like not many, not many of them have said much about Jesus, but they've all said that like letting Zinchenko go was like crazy for what they what did. And like they don't understand why City let him go. Yeah, yeah, I've I've sort of seen the same kind of uh, conversations on Twitter, and um, yeah, like fortunately for us, they they did let him go because they obviously didn't see us as a threat in the summer. Um, yeah, I mean, the the funny part was like we were really upset like about losing out on Mudrick, right? But the only reason we signed Zinchenko is because we effectively didn't want to pay for uh, Martinez. Martinez, yeah. um, and you remember, right? True. Everyone was like, ah, oh, everyone's like gutted. Why didn't we pay the extra five million quid or whatever? But you look at like you look at what Zinchenko has added to this team. I don't know what the plan for Martinez was. Like, was it for him to play as a center back? Was it for him to play as a left back or whatever? But the, I don't think Martinez, if you've seen him in this Man United team, like he's a very good player. He's a very good defender. He scored a, a bit of a fluky goal, but he, there's no way he adds what Zinchenko has added this season. Sorry, I was on mute there. Completely agree, mate. Completely agree. Um, Hopefully he stays fit because he's obviously becoming pretty key to uh, a lot of the good things we're doing. All right, cool. So, I mean, I think, yeah, look, we've obviously calmed down a lot from, from Sunday. Even on, <laughs> even yesterday, I, I was buzzing and obviously like 48 hours on, um, we're, we're a bit calmer. But, you know, ultimately, position we're in now, and we'll just quickly talk about this because we've got a big game on Friday and we're still in the middle of a transfer window. So it's worth touching on those things. But let's just... I was meant to have the league table up up ready for me to have a look at, and I 
haven't, so that's poor preparation from me. But um, we are five points clear of Man City. Um, and halfway through the season, as I said, 50 points, which is wild. Like, it's a it's a crazy number. And obviously, yeah, we've got a game in hand on City as well. Um, that game against Everton that we're still waiting to be rescheduled, which is probably going to be against a completely different Everton team once they hire a new manager and probably have a bounce back and all the rest of it. But hey-ho. Um just like mate, you were you were one of the probably the only Arsenal fan <laughs> on the planet that thought I mean, I know you didn't say we were gonna win the title or you thought we'd win the title, but you know, you had you were pretty positive, you know, pre-Palace, pre the first game of the season. And you know, I think you said words to the to the effect of, you know, if Arsenal could win the first few games of the season, let's basically see what happens. You know, there's anything can happen in football pretty much. Um so obviously you had a you know, maybe a slight inkling that there was something there with this team. Um, and obviously what they've shown in these first 19 games is probably beyond even yours, any Arsenal fans expectations or even dreams, to be honest, like this is yeah. one of the best, I, I, th- I believe it's the fifth, fifth ever best start, best start, sorry, to a Premier League season. Um, so that's like factoring in all of the kind of city and, you know, Liverpool a couple of years ago and, you know, United and Chelsea all the, and, and us as well, you know, it's the fifth best ever start to a Premier League season, which is pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, if you, if I had to ask you the question, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot, but, you know, do you think Arsenal were going to win the Premier League this season? <laughs> oh, do I think we're going to win it? I don't know. I don't know. I think City are just unreal. I think I want to see do I think we can? Obviously, I think deep, deep down, I'm still. I just think City are unreal. They've got a guy who's probably going to score like 50 goals this season or something. Yeah. And I, I think the key is how we do over the next six or seven days in the transfer window. I think if we can add one more, okay, in an ideal world, okay, put it this way: if we add a central midfielder and we add another attacking player, mm-hmm. then I think I'll be very, very confident. Um, I don't think we're going to add a central midfielder and another attacking player. Um, so what really worries me now is what happens if Thomas Partey gets injured or what happens if Eddie and Ketcher gets injured in the next five. For Eddie, before Jesus is back, for Thomas Partey until the end of the season. I know there's talk that um, the new centre-back that we've signed can possibly play in defensive midfield, I don't think he can do what Thomas Partey can do. I don't think there's any that many players in world football that can do what Thomas Partey can do. So no wonder we're struggling to find someone. Um, but honestly, like this for me, this transfer window is the most important transfer window in the last 20 years for this club. In my okay. opinion, like, because we have, we're on this journey, we're on this process. No one anywhere seriously thought that we would be in a title race come January and needing to like bring some of this stuff forward. But we may or may not, we've talked about this and the team is better and we, the team is in a much better place to compete long-term. And I don't think we should break any of that, but if we are in a place now to say you get, you spend 15 million more, you spend 10 million more, 
and you can win a title. I think we all really, really regret not doing that business. And um, this team are so good, but we need backups and we need a squad. And we've started to make um, make some inroads with that, with Trossard, with uh, Kibbe, or and that's really good. But there are one or two more positions. And maybe I'm being greedy. Maybe that... Um, Maybe we need to, you know, we can't have two positions, two players in every position, and we're just going to have to get a bit of luck because every team that wins the title has luck with injuries, exactly. right? And I read a stat that I said, I think we've had six players that have played every single game so far this season in the Premier League, and the record previously for any team that's won won the league was like four or something in terms of consistency. Yeah. So we've been really, really lucky with injuries so far this season. We gambled at the start of the season with no like wide player replacements, with no other strikers, with no other midfielders. And that hasn't really cost us. I would be very, very surprised if we had, knowing our history with the injuries, I'll be very, very surprised if we didn't. So yeah, we just have to have to support this squad and Arteta, Edu, Vinay, whoever else, just like do what you do, whatever you can to just help get this team off over the line in terms of budget, yeah. squad, etc. I mean, it's interesting because like, like you touched on, right? So Leandro Trossard's come in, um, you know, fairly, fairly big money, not, not huge money, but sort of 27 million pounds. I think, I think that deal is worth, obviously he made his debut on Sunday. Then we've assigned, um, I, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. I think it's Jacob Kiwa. It's probably wrong. Kiwio? Kiwio, I think it is. Um, yeah. Um, so Jakob, Jakob, right? Or Jakob? Is it Jakob? Okay. I don't right. know. We'll have to get the right pronunciation. Apologies. Um, <laughs> so around 25 million euros. Again, you know, we're not talking, um, you know, small change. It's decent money. Um, Polish international defender. I think he can play centre-back. I think he can play left-back and possibly def- uh, CDM as well. I think he's played there previously. You know, 22, 22 years old. So relatively young, but not, you know, not a kid. And um, we've had, interestingly, we've had a question um, from Twitch from, I think it's Rensiak is the is the um, handle. Um, so he said, I'm from Poland. What do you think about the Kibior transfer? So, I mean, look, being completely honest, I've, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen him play. I think a lot of Arsenal fans probably have never seen him play. Apparently played every game in the World Cup or started every game for Poland, Poland in the World Cup. So, okay, I take that back. I've obviously seen him play because I watched most of the World Cup, but um, <laughs> he's not someone that necessarily left a mark on me. But look, for me, it, 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 I, I mean, I agree with what you said, Aaron. And like, we, we obviously, like, it's really interesting because we're in a position that we didn't expect us to be, expect to be in um, at the start of the season. So it feels like we're, you know, we, you know, me and Rajas were talking about this in the last episode. You know, we, we've obviously got a plan. Arteta, Edu, they, they always talk about, you know, the plan that we've got in terms of we know who we want to sign. We know our targets. And it's just a case of kind of, you know, we, we do the due diligence. We do, we do the, the homework, as it were. Um, and then it's a case of just executing and making, you know, trying our best to get those targets. And, you know, these transfers don't feel rushed. They don't feel like they're panic transfers. So it kind of feels like we've just accelerated what we were probably hoping to do in the summer, kind of. Um, six months earlier because of the position that we're in. Where I somewhat disagree with what you said is I feel like getting two players for that kind of money, you know, spending 50 or 50 or so million pounds roughly on two players, one of them Premier League proven and established and experienced in international in Trossard um, and, and, and doing that kind of business in January 
that's actually not that easy because you know United needed a striker, for example, and strikers are generally kind of hard to find. You know, unless you're willing to spend massive money like Haaland money or Mbappe money or whatever. Um, and they had to go for Veghorst, and I think he's on loan as well. Like they had to kind of do a bit of you know. Uh, essentially a bit of a deal or, you know, go for someone that probably isn't their first choice, but he's going to do a job for them for the next kind of six months or so. Um, and so, I, so I think the business that we've done so far is, hasn't been, has, has been pretty good. I think we're all happy with Trossard. We're going to wait and see how, how the new defender does. But then when you add to add to the mix that, you know, Smith Rowe's back, Reese Nelson should hopefully be back fairly soon. And, you know, we wrote off in Ketia, a lot of us wrote off in Ketia like a season ago, and then since he's been in the team at the back end of last season and now this this season, he's been he's been on fire, to be honest. I think his stats are ridiculous in terms of number of starts and number of goals. And so you kind of got on the ba- ba- on that basis, sorry, I feel like you kind of have to give Reese Nelson a bit of a chance. He came on, I think it was against Forrest and he got a goal or two. Um, you know, there's there I feel like we are building the squad out a little bit. And like you say, I do I know we we need backups. The games are gonna start coming thick and fast when the Europa League comes back, but I mean, I'm overall, overall pretty happy with the business that we've done. Look, if we can get, if we can get someone to cover for Partey, amazing. But I do wonder if um, Kiwior, who we've signed, is he that CDM cover? Right. And, I, and, and I also wonder about Zinchenko as well, because do you think, I mean, look, we could talk about this for ages, but there's, I guess we know what Zinchenko offers in central midfield. He's not a Partey. I'm not saying he is, but worse comes to worse. If you want something... I don't know if you want someone to maybe sit in against a sit in alongside El Nenny or maybe even just play instead of Partey, but obviously he's going to offer different qualities. That's potentially an option as well. I'm not saying it's an ideal option. I'm not saying it's going to win us the league, but you know, maybe that cover that we need is already there. And you know, it's, it's quite hard. I don't know. I feel like it can be quite hard to maybe go and get the target that we want because apparently the target that we want in central midfield is Declan Rice. And if we can't do that in January, which I, I don't think anyone thinks we can, then you know, is it more a case of we're going to have to just kind of hold until then and manage? And hope, yeah, like you say, we need a bit of luck um, between now and the end of the season, right? I think that's, yeah, I think ultimately we're going to have to gamble in one or two positions. Um, I think if, I think realistically, if Kiwior can play uh, defensive midfield, we've got Elneny, like you said, Myers, we can might be able to make something with Zinchenko work. Xhaka obviously has played there in the past. Um, maybe the club think that's enough. Um, I think they're the two injuries that really scare me in terms of, like, look, anyone in this first 11, if they get injured, we will see a drop-off, right? That's the same with any any first 11 in the in world football, right? You have your first 11. They're the first 11 because you take them out and you have a drop-off in the team. Um, the worry is where you know especially up front if eddie gets injured there is basically no one who has ever played up front in the history for this club um like martinelli has done it for one or two games but like we're going down to like academy level um to play to find a striker um i guess trossard could potentially play the possibly the esr false nine Maybe. I mean, it's not ideal, but I guess when you're, if your two first team strikers are out, if Hazelson and Ketty are out, like yeah. it's, I mean, we were talking about this on, um, on Sunday at the game. I think Raj was the one who said it, you know, it's very hard. Like not many teams have three kind of first team strikers. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. You look at Chelsea, they don't really have a, a striker that's yeah, one striker. Yeah. Man United have got Weghorst Martial who they don't like Spurs have, I mean, Spurs have got Kane Richardson, but 
I think they're linked they're with someone else. Someone, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even Man City have got, I don't know who plays after Alvarez. So yeah, you're probably right. Like you, you just have to gamble that these two strikers stay fit. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, that's what worries me. I think if we keep this team, these, these first 11, 12, 13 players fit, and mm-hmm. every title winning team has luck with injuries. You remember that Liverpool team? Yeah. Salah, Mane, Firmino, Trent, Robertson, Alisson, Van Dyke pretty much played every single game. Um, we need that luck. And that is the only way we're going to catch City because you to, to beat to the catch City them, City, catch, sorry, catch City, <laughs> but like keep up with them is you have to be perfect pretty much because this City team get 90 points every season. Um, Let's see, mate. I don't know. I feel like this is, I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but this season, City have, are not infallible, right? They've they've dropped points in games you ne- wouldn't necessarily expect them to, despite the fact that Harden's there. They're obviously having to play a slightly different way. Um, who knows, man? Like, you know, there's going to be games that we go into that we expect to win and we may well drop points. We're probably going to drop points. You know, we dropped points to Southampton this season. Like, yeah. you know, well, that shouldn't have ever happened. So let's see. Let's see. You know, that's a good chat. I mean, I just want to pick up on a couple of the comments that we're getting because we're getting loads of comments. So we were talking about the pronunciation of our new signing. So again, Renciak, thank you very much. He said it's Kivior. Kivior, I think it is. So Kivior. Thank you very much, Renciak. Um, he also says we're we're not in we're not in a title race. It's now your duty to win the title. So I don't know <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan, but I mean, let's see, let's see. One game at a time, eh? Um, and Fuad Farah. Um, I hope I got that right. Big up everyone. Make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Yes, thank you very much. We appreciate that a lot. Um, and Rajesh must be missing being on this podcast on on this channel because he has not stopped messaging. <laughs> his wi-fi is clearly working from the plane yeah. um kiwi passing range looks and then the fire emoji um and Lewandowski said in an interview that he thinks kiwi will go to the top um and he said if just landing have to drop great pod guys thanks thank you rajesh um cool lastly then i guess last thing to talk about is we have a what i'm going to say is a massive game on friday um, it's in the cup, FA Cup fourth round, Man City away, Friday night. I say it's massive because I know that, you know, there's probably a bit of a split opinion between Arsenal fans on what they want, how they want us to kind of approach this game in terms of team selection. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people want us to go full throttle and play a very strong team because we want to beat City and we want to win the FA Cup. And a lot of people are like, well, this is a once in a lifetime position that we're in in the league. Don't risk Saka. Don't risk Martinelli. Don't risk Partey, the players that you were just talking about that we probably can't afford to lose. Um, but I feel like it's a massive game because it it's Man City and it's obviously the first time we're going to be playing them this season. Um, and it it does kind of feel like even though we've got them in the league in what a couple of weeks, just over two weeks, it does feel like it's a game where, um, like, uh, just a matchup between you know these you know the the best two teams in the country at the moment, basically, and it's really going to be really interesting to see. Despite the fact that the teams are probably going to be slightly changed in terms of who plays, it's going to be really interesting just to see kind of how both teams come out, really, uh, you know, and and how how they fare against each other. I mean. I think first question is Aaron, like in terms of who you want to play and the kind of team you want us to put out, do you want a Premier League team? Do you want us to put out the Europa League team? Do you expect it to be like a mix? I yeah, I think it will be a bit of a mix. I think we'll see players like Trossard. I think we'll probably see Tierney, 
Vieira, maybe Smithrow, because we need to give these players minutes. And um, because we've got a Europa League campaign starting soon. And actually what the biggest mistake we've made in previous seasons is when we do have those injuries, the players that come in just haven't played and they were throwing them into league games and they're still finding their feet. And, you know, we do have a, a bit of a, you know, we do have some good players. You know, Kiwi or can, might get some minutes. Um, and I think, look, the risk here is that what's like, we benefit from giving some of these, you know, I would say beat the B team or some of the substitutes minutes. Um, and I think what, they're still good players and yeah, Vieira, Smith Rowe, really exciting attacking players. Trossard, another really attacking player. I think that the way, the way the issue is like some of those gaps where we don't have those squad players, I think ultimately what we'll probably see is some of the first team start. Right. So I don't know, maybe we get away with playing El Nani, but I still think Thomas Partey probably starts on Friday. Uh, Eddie yeah. and Ketia, almost certainly starts for me on Friday. Maybe because Trossard's there, we we rest one of Saka or Martinelli. And we can we could probably play like Enketia, Smith Rowe and Trossard on the right, for example, and Vieira behind them. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting, right? It's not players bad, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Players that we want to see, players we want to give minutes to. And you know, the benefit of that is we give minutes to exciting players and we get them, you know, sharp and match up. The downside is that we risk maybe going out of the cup but actually for me that's a a risk i'm okay with um yeah because i'd rather do that that and but at the same time if if we played a full near full first team i can see benefits in that as well because we're going to be playing city this is a warm-up before the big one right and we play them like during i think on the 15th of february yeah. um there will be yeah, it's going to be really interesting how the managers approach it, like what they give away tactically. Maybe they play two different systems to not <laughs> allow each other to learn too much about it. Obviously, it's Arteta going back to the Etihad and yeah, coming back is like the the bigger team, the bigger team, the more informed team, the more successful team so far this season. And that's got interesting dynamics. Um, I, th- I think what might play into Arteta's thinking just in terms of our team selection is that we've basically got a week between that game and uh, the Everton game. Yeah. We don't have a midweek game. And I mean, look, an injury is an injury. And we're, if we're unlucky with an injury, that happens. It could happen in any game, right? But he's generally gone, like even if you look at some of his Europa League picks, uh, sorry, his team selections in the group stage, he's, he's generally, he's obviously rested a number of players, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't gone full kind of B team as from what yeah. I remember. Um, and I think he'll look at this. I think he'll, I think he'll, I think he wants to win the FA cup. I think he wants to win the Europa league. And I think he's probably so confident now, like there's so much confidence going through the club. I think he'll, I think he'll, um, yeah, I think he'll go pretty strong. I mean, I pretty much agree with what you said. I, I wouldn't be surprised though, if he owned like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Hey, I expect Tierney to play for example, but you know, I can see, yeah, Trossard starting. That makes complete sense. But I don't think, for example, he plays Lukonga. I don't think he, no, I don't no. even think he plays Elneny, like you say. I don't know if he, like Smith Rowe makes a lot of sense, but, you know, he might even keep Erdegaard in the team, maybe, even though he probably needs a rest. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty strong team. Um, getting some interesting comments. We've obviously got a Man City fan on. So, um, Fouad again. I'm not confident on Friday. I don't trust Akanji and Ake at the back unless Diaz and Laporte start in the starting 11. So that's interesting from a City perspective because we're probably going into this thinking, you know, probably based on how 
how bad we've been at City the last few years away. Um, you know, probably just we don't want to get thrashed, but it's obviously a very, very different Arsenal um, going to the game. And as he also points out, Fouad, it's the homecoming of Zinchenko and Jesus and Arteta. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Arteta was... He's been, been yeah, he's been back before, right but yeah. Um, all right, cool, mate. Should we do... Um, should we do predict predictions? Oh, Jonagan's just commented, my cousin. Um, hoping they play a B team. Premier League's got to be priority and I'm going to the game. Uh, I'm not <laughs> going to read out that last bit because uh, a bit dodgy, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So yeah, Jonagan is going to the game. Um, yeah, Prem's got to be the priority. So he wants a B team. So, but what do you reckon, Aaron? And what are you going through in terms of a score line prediction? I think we will lose. Okay. I think we'll play a bit of a mixed team. I think I think it'll be close. I don't think we'll like get battered or anything, but I think we will just about lose. Okay. Because I think City have a slightly stronger B like A slash B team. And therefore, yeah, I think we'll probably lose one nil. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go. I think it'll be a pretty even game, to be honest. I think, like I said, we'll, we'll go pretty strong. I see it will go pretty strong, and it's just going to be a bit of a, like a. I think it's going to feel like a Premier League game um, in in many ways. Is there? There's no replays in the fourth round, is there? Is it, uh, oh, is it the fourth round? Yeah, it's fourth round. I think there is. I think there is a replay. There's still replays in the fourth round. Yeah, there round. is a replay. I was um, gonna say I was gonna say my prediction was gonna be we'd win it in extra time or after. Extra we time. don't want to replay. That is the one I don't think either yeah, team wants yeah. to replay, right? Well, we don't want to be playing City four times this season. I can I can see that happening. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a draw. I, I guess we don't know the rules of the competition if there's definitely a replay or not, but on the assumption. I, I think there is because the Man United Leeds game that's been scheduled for the week after in the Premier League is subject to neither of those teams needing a replay. Ah, okay. And that's okay. the midweek like in a couple of weeks wasn't it because of man united might be in the league cup final no no, no there's that nothing that's, to do that's a different one yeah right. so yeah then i'm 99 sure there is a replay now that you mention it well i'm gonna sit on the fence and i'm gonna go for a draw <sighs> i'm gonna go for a one one <laughs> yeah i think that's probably yeah i think that's even more like that'll be, that'll be a good yeah. game to go to though i mean it's not yeah, it's not I, yeah. yeah as in city at home fa cup replay it'd be the case be... of like playing city every other week <laughs> between yeah, now and february much. pretty much all right mate nice one um well yeah look i think that wraps it up so very good chat look um fantastic time to be an arsenal fan right like we're all loving it at the moment can't wait for the next game can't wait for city on friday um thanks everyone that's tuned in we've actually had a number a number of people that have uh have, have watched this live so thank you very much um yeah please drop a like um a drop a thumbs up and tell your yeah, friends tell your family all of that good stuff all of that <laughs> good stuff um, and thanks for all the comments and interaction. Um, we've said this before, like we really appreciate it. It makes a big difference because it just makes the chat a lot more interesting and interactive. So we love it. So thank you very much. But yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, Aaron, cheers. Cheers. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. All right. See you take, soon. Take care, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.